Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to Transition, Transform, and Evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, and thank you for listening in or viewing in on the Alchemy of Business show. We appreciate you being here. We are always talking about making wiser decisions, creating more profits in your life and more abundance, and creating higher purpose. And the guest that we have today is a phenomenal example of many of these things. I met Eric many, many years ago from one of my mentors that we're going to talk about, but he has uh, been running a very thriving and growing and evolving business. He's the founder and CEO of Branditize. His name is Mr. Eric Berman. He's an angel investor. He's also a culture builder, which we're going to learn more about. He's been doing this for over 25 plus years, and he has a passion for helping scale businesses and companies. He does this with all types of entrepreneurs, companies, different products. What Eric has done is really learned to take the secret sauce and the magic of how to market, but more importantly, brand and then monetize what it is you're doing, thus the name Branditize. So he's the CEO and founder of this full service performance based marketing company. It's based in San Diego. And the mission at Branditize to leave a positive impact on the world by elevating authentic brands to their full potential. So right in alignment with the Alchemy of Business show. So let's welcome Mr. Eric Berman to the show. Thanks, Eric, for being on. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Good to see you today. Great to see you. Well, you know, we're going to be talking about business and stuff today, but I've got to ask you, I've only been able to see pictures of your new little birth baby in the world via Instagram or some photos, but you went from in the last couple of years having a major life change where you married your love. You went from being now a husband, a father, and a family man. So can we talk a little bit about your personal side of business? How has your change dynamic affected your life? And how are you doing being a dad and a husband? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot's obviously happened in the last uh, few years. I, I like to joke around that, that my midlife crisis being just turning 50, believe it or not, you know, I went the opposite route of a lot of people, waited and, and took my time and very happily was ready and focused and found, uh, you know, the, the, one, the you know most amazing woman and so excited to have her in my life and gotten married. And, you know, we were very, you know, totally just, you know, couldn't wait to have a child and I was ready for it. And uh, baby Andrina just turned one years old uh, last week. And it's been just, you know, life changing. You know, you hear so many stories about it's going to change your life, you, you know, and, and you hear it all and you sort of take it in that but until you actually have your little child, it's it's incredible. And, and I think what's unique from my perspective, you know, how it changes business and all that and life, I mean, it certainly gives me another appreciation of, you know, being able to work so hard for something. You know, you work hard as an entrepreneur, you're used to working the 10 hour days kind of consistent. And now there's a greater purpose for the work I'm doing. And it is for, you know, my wife, my baby and future family, hopefully one other child in the future. And funny story, I have to share anyway on that, by the way, because everybody asked me about the name. And I was my wife's the name, same thing. So I'm glad you yeah, led right into that. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good story that, you know, that, you know, the wife, my wife's name is Ariel. Okay. And me being Eric, what reference does that give you? Can you, that's my quiz to you. <laughs> yes. It's one of the Disney shows. And I should know that's this because my grand, what's that? One yep, of the Disney little, movies, right? Little, little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Thank you. 
So, I was going to Pocahontas and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ariel, you know, met her, her Prince Eric or Prince Eric met his Ariel. And we decided we had to look at Little Mermaid references. And Andrina is actually the baby, uh, one of the sister mermaids of Ariel. So it's, oh. it was a cool, rare, rare name. And we, we kind of fell in love with it. Of I course, love, fell that. love their baby. And that. the other thing I was going to say, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to, I love that. And I love when the name of the meanings that you pick for, because you know, they're going to have that name for their lifetime. So totally. uh, obviously she'll know that you put a lot of thought and I'm sure she's going to love it as she starts even getting getting more articulate in, in what her name is and who she is. So that's great. You're going to tell totally. us more of the story. Go ahead. Well, well, the other thing that's interesting, you know, you think about having a child right now. Let's talk about having a child during COVID, you know, and so many changes going on. And I know we're going to dig into culture and all the other things. And, you know, I could go on for a while about, you know, going from in office with a high culture to all of a sudden working with a remote team and how that changes things. But as much as I wish I was back in office with team for a variety of reasons, the one blessing I have without that is being able to spend more hours with Andrina. And that never would have happened without COVID. So, you know, on one hand, you know, I'm frustrated about the situation, how it affects the company and the business. And there's ways to obviously make everything go okay with that. But I mean, I get this amazing opportunity to spend more time with my wife and Andrina. So it's really cool. That is wonderful. I mean, those years and you don't get them back. I mean, my, I remember my daughter being one and two and then her two, two in her first dance class and, you know, get her first date. And, you know, now she's married and I have two grandkids from her that are, you know, three and five years old. So there's a whole nother experience. And after that, but it go so fast, as I'm sure you've heard. And, and now you're experiencing as a dad to think that I, I did not think that she was one. I was thinking you're going to tell me she was like six or eight months old because I'm envisioning just watching you on social media and then the photo feeds. I remember the picture that you had when you proposed to your wife. You guys were like on some cliff somewhere. Santor, uh, Santorini. Oh, you were in Santorini, Santorini. Greece. That looked yep. like an episode from that epic picture. And then I went, wow. Then you went right to the dad stuff and, you know, within that year. So I didn't realize she was already a year old though. So it's, you've, it's you've amazing. had amazing uh, couple of years. And like you said, COVID, I mean, the global pandemic has affected so many things in really traumatic trauma ways for many people and businesses. And on the flip side, it's done a lot of amazing things of accelerating businesses, of accelerating tech and bringing families closer together for the good, bad and the ugly. But if you're a new dad and you get to be working from home and experiencing all the days of that with your wife and your baby, what a blessing. I'm so glad you had that. I mean, Steve, imagine getting off a, you know, a long or a tough conference call or just hours and all of a sudden you're like, I got to get up and stretch. Normally in the office, you walk around, you probably get interrupted. Being able to walk over and pick up your little baby and just see her smile. I mean, that's all the energy you need for the day. I mean, that's just, it's just such a cool opportunity. I love that. Well, one of the missions at Branditize is to leave a positive impact on the world by elevating authentic brands to their full potential. How has that sentence become even more impactful? You mentioned that in, in some of your words you were saying there in some of the sentences about your baby and about bringing purpose. So has having this experience changed what, even when you made that mission statement? Because to have that part of your mission statement that you're making a positive impact impact in the world by elevating authentic brands, just those words alone. Have you decided that that's shifting what kind of brands you're going to take on? Has that shifted the depth of how you're going to do this? I'm just curious on how being a dad has affected you being an entrepreneur and a businessman and a CEO. I mean, I think what's happened is you continue to, to really dig into that and think about your future and how important that mission really is and how we really want to, you know, how, how precious time is. And you want to work with people, friends, partners, clients that, that are doing good in the world. You know, when you have a choice to make, let's go out there and do things that leave a positive impact because again, it's not just an impact for others, but this truly could trickle down into my family here, you know, amongst everybody else. So yeah, it's definitely added a little bit more to it. That's awesome. Well, in getting your starts, you had some early on in the marketing space. I'm curious on how you even got involved in the marketing genre anyway at the beginning in your, you know, late teens, early twenties. And then you ended up connecting with, when I met you many years ago, I'm pretty sure 
it was uh, when you were working, I don't remember exactly what the role was, but I remember you were running much or all of the marketing for Brian Tracy, who I had on the show just a few weeks ago. And he's been a friend and mentor of mine for many years. And if I remember correctly, your skills of being a marketer led you to going with Brian. And then that left from there into a whole nother thing, which is blown up even way beyond that. So I'm curious about how you got your start in the marketing industry um, and then how you connected with Brian. And then let's talk about the evolution of Branditize. Yeah. And it's quite a story. So after finishing UCSD, I had this sense of not wanting to go run into that corporate job. You get recruited everywhere. I was a, I was a marketing major <clears throat> and um, I had a friend who was starting this thing. And I was the first person that sat down and said, hey, I have this idea. We want to do these things. and We're going to change the world by doing this stuff in the college market. And the college students have, are the most coveted demographic to the marketers and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, sounds cool. Where do I sit? And that led to like, in hindsight, I didn't realize I was an entrepreneur or a marketer. I didn't, you know, I just knew I was went to college. I was a hustler and I wanted to make things happen. And, and over the course of years, you look back and understand that. So that led to me working for no salary for 18 months and learning all the world about equity. And my parents thought I was crazy after finishing college, no salary and building and bootstrapping a company that went from three employees into seven years later, 400 employees having raised almost a hundred million dollars. And I thought I was going to be retired at 28. I don't even know if you know this story, Steve. So I thought I was going to be retired at 28. And we were the actual first Facebook of all Facebooks, a company called collegeclub.com. It was the first social media. We were doing social media before anybody else was doing stuff. Through that incredible journey, you know, I was taking on every role probably except for building out tech, but you know, sales, biz dev, marketing, just operations, running a business, hiring, firing, culture. And that's where I learned a lot. And that's also where I met one of my mentors via CD and audio cassette named Brian Tracy. Mm. So, and that was really my first time. And I'm going to go back later, talk about what I'd love to give back on is, is I was so, when you learn the kind of stuff that Brian teaches and we were listening to Brian and Tony Robbins, it's like, why don't they tell you that, teach you that in high school or college? Yeah, like none of that stuff's taught the mindset, all the skills, the goal setting, time management. You wish you did that. So I'm getting ahead of probably you're asking me, but I wish at some point that would be my legacy to be able to try to help teach the whole educational process with that stuff. We can come back to that. But through that experience, I mean, I'll try to fast forward to the end of that journey. We were about to go public. We took our first vacation in five years. This is now the year 2000. On paper, I would have been you know, well over $10 million with my equity. And I was just like, wow, what a ride. And this is after working seven days a week, having no life from 21 to 28. We were in uh, Punta Cana, or no, uh, uh, Playa de Carmel. I'll never forget this on a rainy day. And all of a sudden the market crashed that Thursday. And oh. our CFO was with us, almost had a heart attack on the spot, flew home. We had a $10 million bridge that Tuesday to take us to the IPO. And the markets all dried up. And they said, hold on, we got to wait to give you your money. Well, what do you mean you got to wait? We got payroll oh, money. So from what opportunity I thought that I was going to be done turned into losing everything as far as the stock and the whole company and all that in a downturn as you learn a lot about board seats and shareholders and all sorts of things and how you think when you think you're in, in, nothing's going to go wrong, how things can go wrong and how to prepare for this. And again, I could go on for a while and stories learned there, but I'm trying to get to your question, but there's a backstory. So that ended in an interesting way. And then I became a consultant and I was doing a lot of consulting and I found out through a family friend that Brian Tracy needs a website, needs to understand what's going on this internet thing. I said, the Brian Tracy, are you kidding? me. He lives in San Diego. <laughs> what? So I was able to get a meeting with him. And, you know, I kind of walk in the door half drooling that I'm in front of Brian Tracy with my, you know, mouth agape, like, oh my God, shaking. <laughs> and then we sat down. I said, Brian, I know what you need. I could do it. Let's do this together. But, you know, Brian, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I love you, but I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, and I'm also a risk taker. I understand I'm, I'm confident in my ability to perform. So how about we do this together? And I'll only make money for myself when you make money. And he said, Eric, you're my kind of guy. Let's do this. And here we are, you know, 21 years later, you know, with, with an incredible relationship. And that was my initial foray into building, you know, people would say, how do you run an agency? Well, that was my first foray where I started actually as a consultant 
to Brian with internet marketing and built a team around them, which led 13 years plus years later into, hey, what you do for Brian, can you do for me, says guys like Jack Canfield and others. And that, and then thus Branditize was ultimately formed. Yeah, you do. It's amazing people, amazing brands. And I want to come, we're going to come back from the break because we have to take a break now. But I want to hear more about that story of for any of you that can relate to this that are listening in or maybe viewing where you've gotten something to the pinnacle and you've worked year after year and tirelessly for it. And then the universe gives you a brick upside the head moment. How do you adjust from that? So Eric was sharing with us about, you know, possibly being able to retire when he was in his late 20s. But the knowledge and wisdom I'm sure he took from that is being relaunched in a different way. But we're going to come back and hear more from Eric Berman of Branditize about overcoming challenges challenges, creating success. Also, this internet marketing thing, I guess it did actually work and took off, didn't it? So we're going to learn more about not only internet marketing, but digital marketing. And I want to learn out from Eric as well, how marketing has changed in the previous years on, you know, if you're a business owner, where should you be marketing and advertising yourself? So, so much we're going to unpack in the next segments. Come back and join us on the Alchemy of Business show with Mr. Eric Berman. We'll be back in just a few moments. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business Show. We are talking with Mr. Eric Berman of Branditize. Eric is a master marketer, and not only is he a master at brands, but he helps understand within his own experiences of building companies, how do you monetize your brand? How do you monetize your advertising? But he's learned that through a couple of bruises and bumps along the way. Eric, before the segment, we were talking about how you were before Facebook and you and your group of associates, friends, and your uh, entrepreneur fellow workers brought this company to a point you were telling us about, then that didn't go exactly as planned. My guess is there is more than college uh, years worth of uh, knowledge in that experience. But then you went on to meet Brian Tracy and you said, hey, Brian, I know what I can do. So how did you walk into his office? You said you were kind of in awe because he's a Brian Tracy. For those of you that don't know him, you probably haven't maybe learned a lot about sales yet because he's a master at it. Brian's been around for many, many years, written over probably 90 books on sales, communications, time management. But when you were walking in his office and you said, hey, I'm going to do this on the come, was it because you had been an entrepreneur for seven or eight years and you were used to not working for a paycheck and you believed in yourself versus saying, hey, I should at least get a small retainer and then maybe get some of the upswing? Or how did you, did you walk in knowing that because it was Brian you were going to do that? Or was that already your model back then that you knew was going to be your secret sauce? Yeah. And I think that was probably early on from being being so used to learning that the equity side and, and, and being able to take it. And I obviously I have to have enough money to, to be able to survive, you know, at the time, you know, but fortunately I wasn't, I didn't have hit such an extravagant lifestyle that I couldn't pull it off. But right. So, and I also looked at it and, and understood that this wasn't going to be like a, a year long ticket get there. Like I, there was some diligence to, to look at and say, okay, we could get this going fairly quickly. He's got a big brand, big name. It shouldn't take that that long. So the risk, you know, the risk assessment I did do in that, that situation. But, you know, when you look at any opportunity, I still teach this today. I go, you know, if you feel confident in your ability and you want to get in the door or something like that, you know, if you can offer your, if you have the ability to do that, it's a great way to, you know, it's hard for somebody to say no to that offering. And so here's somebody that I felt really confident myself in. And I was like, so excited to work with. And so I felt that if I could make him an offer, he couldn't refuse. And then, you know, it would turn out well. And and sure enough, it did. Well, putting your money where your mouth is, and I know he's a big fan of yours, not only is he a fan of yours, but you guys became not only working together, you became business partners. So you were so successful on helping Brian build his online brand. And I think I met Brian probably, God, it's probably tw- almost 20 years ago. And I also you know, followed him from his books, Focal Point Coaching and Psychology Sound, and all the different things that he's done. I've read so many of them. And I went to one of his workshops on Focal Point Coaching in San Diego. And I, one of my goals I had was to have him become my personal mentor and, and coach 
teach. And it took me about a year to convince him of that. But he, you know, I coached with Brian for about two years personally. But I remember back then I would go to meet him in his office on Stephen Street yeah. over in Solana Beach. And I think that's where I met you. But he always raved about his team. And I knew that when he had a team, he he had such high expectations of people. He had such high standards of himself. And he's such a worker. I mean, he's so driven. And he always had high praise for you. And then when the market shifted and the world started shifting, that maybe even before the COVID stuff, this goes way back of, do I really need all the brick and mortar? Do I really need to have my business way? So many businesses have gone through this transition and transformation. So how, when you now help Brian figure out how to do this online, you said, okay, this is going to work. How did you guys then decide that you were going to turn this into a business model that became a company besides just doing work for Brian? You said, hey, Brian, I know you're taking some shifts. I'm going to take some shifts because he was rechanging his office structure. And you said, hey, I got an idea. Or how did that come about when Branditize got birthed? Yeah. Well, what happened was, you know, frankly, I was I was a consultant for Brian and I had full-time staff there that in theory were getting payroll through Brian Tracy, but but I was really running the the online team, all the d- division there. And, you know, as a consultant, I was looking around in various a- areas that like, what else am I going to do? You know, I was working fairly long, but it wasn't hundred percent of my time on Brian. I was looking at other projects. And after about the, the 10th person comes to me and says, Hey, what you do for Brian, can you do for me? And I'm starting to, all of a sudden I look to a couple of my, my other leaders. I'm like, well, maybe you have to sort of look at the signals that, that hit you after a period of time. There might be something there. And initially you thought, well, I don't know, I'm loyal to Brian. These are my, this is Brian's employees. I can't just take Brian's employees and have them work on Jack Canfield. But I started thinking through it and really it became a little bit of a, of a conversation over a period of time with um, to understand really what his needs were. And he was at a point where like his lease was expiring and does he really want to keep his office around and did he need an office there and did he want that burden? And it was just, we our relationship was so good, which again, why it's so important to keep these good relationships with your partners that eventually he just understood it, you know? And and it was like, as long as, and I found out his fears, his fears were, well, just don't abandon me as long as you're taking care of my stuff. So I don't have to worry about it. You know, I trust you, Eric. I want you to be successful. And that's why Brian's such an amazing person is he generally puts everybody else in front of him and he always take care of others. And so he said, Eric, you know, I trust you, you know, take, you know, take care of, uh, always take care of me. And it was that easy after we had that conversation. And essentially we just flipped the model on its head. So I took all all the staff and I started doing payroll and I got an office and moved everybody in the office. And I took all the, took in all the liabilities, if you will. And he he got off that his plate. So he was happy there too. And then your revenue model was still basically doing what you, when you walked in the door for Brian, of, hey, I'm going to take an opportunity here to put my money where my mouth is and then help brands better monetize themselves by maximizing online presence on what you can A, improve your brand, B, how can you scale products that you already have that can become digital sales or increasing presence on social media. So did that immediately lead to then start working with Jack Canfield and some of the other thought leaders and trainers in the space that you met or worked with many of them, if not all of them in some capacity? Because I know you run in those circles and you have a lot of people listening in here. I've obviously heard of Jack Canfield and read his work or you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul or Brian. So how, when you were elevating yourself through these channels, how did one thing for someone to say, hey, I want you to do for me did with Brian, but how do you then keep these name brand people and prove that you're still worth your weight and your team? You obviously were successful in doing it. So I'm just curious on how that, how you had to fine tune your own model and what you were doing that was working so well for them. Yeah. I mean, you know, once we decided, okay, we're now an agency, you're backdoor in an agency and in every agency owner you talk to, you sort of, that's always a funny story. Like people don't say, 
necessarily grew up saying, hey, I want to be an agency owner. It, t- it tended to back into it somehow. And this was our story. I think it was, okay, now that we're this this thing, what do we really want to be when you grow up? And and a lot of it was my entrepreneurial, just let's just go out there and, and I'm a quick start and just fire off and start doing things. Um, and we made a lot of mistakes. And I think that's what's important is you, you're, you're, you have to just, you, you take action and then you, you pull back and say, what am I doing wrong as you continue to grow the business? And what one of the biggest things we learned, the, it, it was the same way we got in the door with Brian. We certainly leveraged that to get some big names like Jack, like Phil Town and a few others. But then when you start unraveling the model, we realized that we weren't operating the business as profitably as we could. Uh, and we were making some mistakes with maybe some less established names and brands too that also wanted the same kind of relationship. And so we learned over time that this idea of, hey, let's just offer to do all these things for clients and scale them and, and make money on the come on the back end. It wasn't always that simple. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, Brian really was a diamond in the rough under that. And so was Jack and somebody else. And, and you know, you realize when we deal with others, it's not that easy. So, you know, over time we had to unravel that model and make pivots. And that's what all good entrepreneurs do is they say, okay, well, let's test assumptions out. And you have to be open to understand what you think is right. May not always be this case just because it worked for one or two, it doesn't always work, but you got to quickly be able to adapt. And that's what happened over time where now we've continued to evolve more thought leaders and attract them based on the work we've done. So, so I'm kind of answering a few questions here. One is, you know, continue to go out there and help successfully build these clients and, and showcase the kind of revenue and the case studies of what we're doing. It will attract others that also want to be like them. But as far as our business model, it's had to evolve as well, where we've now pivoted into more of a let's date before we get married model, meaning right. let's get to know each other. And let's make sure we like each other. Um, because that certainly is a big impact with a lot of a lot of people and and no offense to some listeners, but there are people out there and the, there's there's definitely the ego side sometimes when you build people and they want to do things their way and they're not responsive and things you know, on one hand they want these amazing results, the other hand, they're not doing what's needed in order to get the results because their right, egos get right. in the way. And you learn how quickly that this is, you know, and then all of a sudden when they're ready to chat, they're like, I need this, 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 and this now. And they're like, okay, this may not be the kind of person we want to work with. So you learn those things. And really the biggest variable I think we've learned along the way is at what level stages, companies are at various stages when they approach you as an agency. And the earlier they are, they are in their stage, the more we have to be upfront with people and really paint the picture of what it truly takes to, to get to that next level. And there's going to be a lot of investing of time and capital. And rather than me chasing dollars, it's a lot easier for me to not take on a client and be real with them before I even get the account to say, Here's what it truly takes to get to the higher level. And once you do get there and we have some success, fantastic. Let's partner and get married at a deeper level. Got it. Well, and especially since you took so long to date and get engaged, get married, you know that in your own personal life, that works and <laughs> worked for you. You might as well have that apply right. in business. I use that That's analogy right. all the time when I'm doing consulting for clients. I'm like, hey, we can do this date because sometimes I do become on a board seat for companies or I'll get equity in their company or invest or whatever it might be or I'll or earn it in. But that same thing, I say, hey, you got to make sure you like the people you're with. So in your dating experience, making sure you're spending that much time and energy and then getting engaged or digging a little bit deeper and you're combining your values and your alignment for common purposes. And then getting the married stages, especially if you're working on the come on the end, then you really are putting your money where outfits or maybe sometimes joint ventures are happening. I know you've also been an angel investor. I know you've invested yep. in businesses. I know in an in a, in a indirect or direct way, you're basically a partner in these people's businesses because if you're driving revenue, you're making money on the top end. And those are some smart business models. We only have about a minute left in this segment, but I want to come back and prompt you for some discussion on in the, you know, how the sausage is made, if you would, of the marketing world. If you think back over the last 10 years of the evolution of, you know, going from print advertising and direct mail into email marketing and social media and SEO and paid online stuff, how has that evolved dramatically or mildly from your view 
because you've been in this so long. And has it shifted and changed since the global pandemic? So we're going to come back and prompt you with that that thought. And we're also going to come back and talk more. I know you're a fairly good expert on how to build culture to make businesses work, because not only do you build businesses outside, but your company, you've had a very successful fight. I mean, some of your people have been with you for a very long time, and you've continued to build your team. So to you, culture and how to build culture and business is an important element to you. Is Am I correct in that statement? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to digging into that. Perfect. All right, great. Well, everyone listening in or viewing in, we will be back just in a few minutes with Mr. Eric Berman from Branditize. But we're going to be talking about what is it? How do you make the sausage these days in the digital media marketing world? And how do you best spend your dollars? And where is it most effective? And has that changed since the global pandemic? Or is it exactly what it was? You just have to be more focused. We're going to find out more about that with Eric when we come back. So come back and join us. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for listening back in or viewing back in. However you got here on the Alchemy of Business show, we appreciate it. We look forward to hearing more from our guest, Mr. Eric Berman, who we have on, who's the CEO and founder of Branditize. We were hearing some fascinating stories before we had signed off, and I forgot a story that I wanted to ask you about on that early social media day before I come back to the topics we were going to cover. When you were involved in those early days, Eric, of building Facebook before it was a Facebook, and you were going to go to market and you had this huge crash, you also have a brother who was involved in the social media space in some fashion. Was he involved in that initial company as well? Or was he out doing his own thing? Because he went on to do something in the no- social media space. So your parents must have really thought you both were nuts in the early days, I would guess. <laughs> yeah, cra- crazy two competitive boys beating each other up all day. It turned, in, it turned out to do some interesting things. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was not with our first company, but I think I actually inspired him a little bit because he went down the path of going down into like Coopers and Labyrinth, the big accounting firms. And I think he got a little antsy and then he decided he, he wanted to try the entrepreneurial journey and started in this little incubator that got funded. And this idea they had, uh, him and his three partners, turned into another little social media thing you might have heard of called MySpace. So he was one of the four founders of MySpace. So, uh, you know, we have, of course, have that that sibling rivalry where, you know, he he got the best of me on that one. You know, I started first, but he ended up with a big hit on that one. And now he gets to run his own VC company and do some other cool things. Good for him. How old was it when he stepped into it? And when did he exit that? How old was he when Uh, he started? Let's see. He probably would have been, I think it was after I was done at college club. So yeah, so he probably would have been roughly early 30s for him. Got yeah, it. early 30s. And yeah, and it was an interesting and, ride there. That's a different story, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a, it's a whole nother show there. You guys yeah. have both in your own ways been investors in different businesses. Have you invested together in different businesses yourselves as brothers? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's as a VC, he's got some stuff. My favorite deal, of course, is getting in fairly early in SpaceX and he does a lot of work with them. So yeah, very cool. Time to time for sure, yeah. Well, let's go back to this path that you, you decided to be on is your your entrepreneur marketing thing, which is interesting because no matter what business you're, I don't care if you're a barbershop, a speaker, uh, SpaceX, or selling groceries, everyone's got to have marketing in some fashion to create leads, to create customers, to create brand. So how have you seen your expertise of when you got out of college, you started learning the ins and outs of marketing. And then in the last 10 years, when you really got your footing on not only running your own companies, but running it for these other brands, how have you seen marketing evolve in the last 10 years? Just kind of highlights of where you think maybe some significant 
changes were in marketing. And that same question then boiled down in the last two years, has any of that changed or shifted or diminished or accelerated because of the global pandemic and the way the world is interacting these days? Yeah, I mean, great questions. I, I think there's really the answer is, is both. I mean, I think in general, there's fundamentals that apply no matter where we're at. I mean, there's, there's certain fundamentals about understanding the customer avatar, who are they, wh where they need to be, what their interests are, their emotions, feelings, things of that nature, what gets them to move to take action. There's fundamentals there, but certainly, I mean, it's evolved like tremendously and it continues to evolve at a very quick rate. I mean, I, I just think back to even Brian Tracy and, and us watching the data and data is so important in marketing and it's it's even getting bigger and bigger. The, the data world is, is just phenomenal. The amount of data we're collecting and how to make marketing decisions on that. But I mean, just basic simple data was, wow, people aren't buying CDs anymore and cassettes. You know, we get all this inventory, Brian, you know, we, you know, people are doing these things called MP3s. We better start, you know, you know evolving and, and starting to sell those, you know, and then all of a sudden you have to build a, 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 a way for people to consume MP3s in a, in a customer, you know, user-friendly format. So, you know, I'm taking this back a while now, but even today's market, you think, okay, recently pandemic, all sorts of evolutions from attention spans. We're all fighting for attention. And, you know, how do you get somebody's attention in, you know, one second, five seconds? How do we have content out there for one second? Which is why YouTube continues to be tremendous and, you know, such a great search engine, if you will. And while people, you know, I, you know, we were always pushing content marketing, you know, being because content marketing, I mean, the, the great stuff you're doing, just getting out there, it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work to do these podcasts, but and it's not going to happen overnight. You certainly understand this is a this is a long walk, a long journey to get there. But ultimately, doing things like that is ultimately going to you know get ahead in marketing because people are consuming when they want and how they want, what speed they want, what medium they want, and you know our ability to constantly get there is is important now. And now, now COVID, I mean, I'll give you an example of our client. One of my top clients, a guy named Phil Town, he teaches something called Rule One Investing, and our business has has primarily been, hey, let's send a uh, and that's really teaches value based Warren Buffett style investing for people so they can understand how to do that on their own. And yeah, we Phil were sending about- He is phenomenal. He, I've seen him at a few of your events. And for anybody who hasn't followed Phil Towns, we're going to put that in the show notes. Eric helps market him, but his stuff is really, really good. And previously working for Warren Buffett, when I met Phil and knew that he was following some of his principles, he does it in such a practical, hands-on way. Amazing. So kudos that you guys are working together. But go ahead with your story. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. So big pivot there, of course, was, okay, we've been setting- Roughly 300, you know, butts and seats into either Atlanta or a couple times a year in San Diego, and they'd go for an amazing three-day experience. You know, we played around with some live streams in the past, and it was okay, but it was really focused on, you know, really, it was really the event was there to cater to the people there live with the interactions of the coaches. And then COVID hit, and and you know, the, the panic call came from Phil. And he says, "All right, Eric, it's your time. It's your time to shine. You and the team. You know, we have no choice. We got to go digital here. Let's. How do we get this event to go online? And you know, without missing a, a beat and without losing any momentum of how having a monthly event, we quickly pivoted and said, all right, well, the world's online now. Let's make this an incredible virtual event experience. And what does that mean with interactions and coaches and all that? And you had to evolve quickly. And, and you look back over the last two years and, and there's a countless stories of those that were able to take, you know, take advantage of evolve quickly to the Zoom world and virtual events and all that, you know, certainly did really well. And so, you know, it, it just being able to watch the trends, what's going on, it all goes back to where is, who is your consumer? Do you really understand your consumer? How are they consuming? Where are they at? And how do you meet them there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you were one of the uh, the startup entrepreneurs that you were, let's say when you were back in your 20s and you had a limited budget and you were putting, let's say like when you go to Vegas and you only have an X amount of dollars and you're putting a few chips on the table on a certain number, you mentioned YouTube. Is there two or three areas that if you only have limited dollars as a small entrepreneur, and I want to ask the same question about larger companies that have big budgets, but let's think about now of a smaller entrepreneur. 
they are like, you know, strap and bootstrap kind of company. And they're going, okay, we got it. We've got to get some more lead gen coming in or not so much on the brand, but I'm asking about lead gen. Where would you advise them to take some of that money and strategically place it in the right way with the right person or in the right way in utilizing online marketing? What fashion would you suggest as a blanket statement? I know it's specific to each person, yeah. each brand, but do you have any general ideas on that? Yeah. So again, so first I go back to, and we talk, everything we talk about is our branditized method, brand build monetize. So first you got to understand your brand, your message messaging, your avatar, do your research on that, uh, build our, your assets, you know, having your landing page, your funnel, your website done, and then ultimately monetize, drive traffic. Now, I think a lot of people want to jump into monetize right away because that's where the money comes in. But I always encourage people, especially if you're bootstrapping and you're not spending money, start by focusing on those first two areas. And a lot of people skip over number one fairly quickly. They just want to go rush out there. Well, you're going to be wasting a lot of time in the back end. So step one is really spend the time understanding who you are, what's your message. And so often, Steve, I find people that like they'll have their website up and I'll say, well, let's just have a conversation. What is it you do? Tell me about it. And they'll talk to you and I'll say, well, let's go talk. Let's go look at your website. It doesn't say anything what you just told me. It's completely mm. different. And mm. we got to get your message down to understand what you are. And I also really encourage people to spend the time to go research the competition once they understand it, because rather than try to reinvent the wheel, who can we look at and model and says, okay, I like what these two, three people are doing. And I want to take this part of this person, this part of this person. And that's where I want to start with and really craft my message and get it going. And then ultimately, if you're bootstrap, I love the idea of just going out there and building content, but I would take a step back and I always assess and say, and I've learned a lot through, you know, culture and building teams is, you know, understanding your genius. What are you passionate about? What do you hate to do? And if you can really look into yourself and say, I just, I love these things. I don't like these things. Because if I hate writing and I hate doing content and you right. told me to go do a bunch of videos and do podcasts, I'd say, okay, but I guarantee you, I'm going to take forever to get there. Right. Cause it's right, not my, right. my comfort zone. So what I would do is I encourage you to say, okay, understand what you don't like to do and how do you motivate somebody to go do it? Can you find a family member, cousin, friend, intern, you know, if you have $0 interns, get somebody experience, sell them the dream to get them expired. You know, this is experience for anybody and go bootstrap and have them do the things you don't like to do. And you do the things you love to do and start to figure that out. So, you know, I can dig a little bit deeper, but I kind of just stop there for a second. On, on Yeah, that, that's on great. Well, and would you have that same, so let's say that same question geared though, let's say I'm not a bootstrapping company. Let's say I'm an established larger company. I've had some success. We're profitable. We've continued to scale. We continue to grow, but I'm being a little bit too cautious with some of my expenditures in investing in marketing. And I'm doing it in a kind of an older traditional way. If I'm a company that's trying to be most current today with today's buyers, with today's interacting whether it's the TikTok of the world or, you know, email marketing, where would you encourage a larger business to make sure they're doing self-assessment on their marketing dollars right now, if they do have larger budgets, to maybe refocus some of those dollars in some areas that you're seeing more success in return on either leads or brand, either yeah. one or wh whichever one pops in your head first? Yeah. So in those situations, when we have clients that have a little more budget come to us, again, I, I say, let's look at the brand build, you know, the brand build monetized branditized method. Where are the big holes and the big gaps in your business? And often what we do in those cases is we actually start off with a strategic blueprint where I say, all right, I'm going to get my subject matter experts across all channels to do a deep dive in your business. And my job is to be the CMO for you. Let's say, Steve, you're coming to me out. My job is to become the CMO and we're going to look holistically at the business and we have to get under the hood because I'm not going to give you the right answer if I just looked at your business in two minutes. That's not fair for me to tell you. I got to do some of my own research. So with clients that have budget, I'd say, take a step back, find somebody that you trust that you think is smart and have them really do a diagnostic assessment of everything going on. Because therefore, you might find that there's some low-hanging fruit right in front of you that you're just missing. Or like you mentioned, maybe you're not going down a channel that's really hot right now that we see opportunities to go do that. 
So then it's like, okay, here's the entire playbook. If this were my company, if I bought your business, here's what I would do tomorrow with a budget of X thousands of dollars. And that's typically the way we approach things. So if you're coming to me without that, I would go look for somebody that can help you make that assessment because, you know, and Brian obviously talks about this too. You know, if you're not doing proper strategic planning and taking a step back, you're oftentimes just, you know, pissing money away in the long run and going, moving down the wrong path. So I would start there. Well, that's awesome. Well, and you can get some of this advice from Branditize. They don't take on everybody, but they do definitely assess and help uh, on that front. So what the Branditize website, branditize.com, B-R-A-N-D-E-T-I-Z-E.com. You can learn more about them. We're going to have one more segment. We will also have that website for Eric's company in the show notes. But we're going to come back because I didn't have time in the segment to get deeper into company culture because not only do you help build company culture in your own company, but part of I understand what you do when you're helping brands be brands is to do it internally and externally because of that kind of, you know, mirroring yourself as a company. So I'd like to come back and talk with you more about that. And we're going to get a little bit into the more about your family stuff, also personal legend and some more finishing up the segment about spiritual intelligence. So please, everybody listen back in with Mr. Eric Berman of Branditize. We will be right back from the Alchemy of Business show in just a few moments. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. I'm host Steve Rogers, and I have my guest, Mr. Eric Berman, who's the CEO founder of Branditize. And we were talking about where to spend your marketing dollars before, you know, blow all your money if you're a new bootsteps uh, startup, or if you're a big company and you've got marketing dollars. But basically, Eric, you were talking about it really is about assessment, really assessing where you're at. So I know that you have some real expertise in that because before people start spending a dollar or you start spending a dollar of time or energy, to help people grow. Let's talk about this assessment thing. What are some of the processes you take your people through if you are saying, you know, where do you where are you at now? Let's assess that. And how does your company do that? So I know you have some different tools and some different processes in which you help individuals or companies go through this process. So let's take a few minutes and talk about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to assess, I mean, really, it's a, it's a good interactive conversation with our clients or, you know, anybody doing this, and you just want to find somebody who's good at that area. I mean, but first, you know, from a macro perspective, are we doing the right strategy? And ultimately, once you understand, you know, what the strategy should be, like, should I be working more in my messaging? Should I be going out there and generating leads or building content? What makes sense? But having a subject magic expert across channels based on that strategy. So the strategy is, hey, you should be doing paid right now. Let's go out there and just test the waters. And it's different for different people. Of course, if you're a coach or a thought leader, you want to focus on more content. If you are a, I have a widget to sell, you know, let's just go MVP, minimum viable product. Let's get a landing page up there, test some ads and quickly you know, find, get an assessment on that side is, you know, how can, how do I get my ads working right? The messaging in my ads, landing page, getting somebody who can help assess the, how I'm doing my ad, ad copy, things of that nature and how I'm running up ads. What, and what platform, you know, do I go Facebook, Instagram, TikTok now, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, surrounding yourself with smart people to help make sure you're making some of these proper decisions. So you can always get one or two couple of opinions as well. And then you go. And then internally, if someone wanted to reach out to your company and get an assessment, you have a way that people could reach out to you or a specialist and start that conversation. And you also, I believe have a digital course that kind of helps people get started on some questioning as well. So let's talk about that as well for the slide here, Eric. I mean, Noel, if you'll pop those up while Eric's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, you could just essentially go into our, there's some resources in there to get some free digital marketing training, what we'd like to do. And this is, there's also, uh, you know, I'm teaching you marketing strategy, right? We're, we're putting up blogs and content of learnings that also brings us leads, but it's also to showcase some of the work we do. So for people just wanting to learn, we're happy to teach. We want people to be successful. We want to make a positive impact. So if we could give you a tool or a tip that's 
going to help you grow your business. Fantastic. I mean, these are all tried, you know, tried techniques that have worked. We're on the cutting edge doing things. So we just put it up there. Oftentimes when my team does presentations, we just try to put them in there so everybody can enjoy whatever it is. And, and you know, this slide here, you can see about Instagram or social media trends, and you could just hop in there and find different categories. You know, we also have, you know, you could just, you know, shoot us a note and we're happy to talk to you and, and see if there's a, something there that can help answer your questions. Great. And for those of you that aren't seeing that slide, because you're on audio and your earphone somewhere, we'll have these links in the show notes for branditize.com and where you can see these free digital marketing trainings, or you can have their contact page to reach out to them. So let's talk about, let's go back to what I was talking about earlier in culture. And I've glossed over that a couple of times, but I want to come back to it because it's so important. So on slide four here, Noel, we've got, this was a masterclass you did, I think, Eric, but it's also a part of the way you live. I know that building your business over the years, it's been really important for you to build culture and to have a mission of making positive impact in the world. So how are you yourself as an entrepreneur and a CEO? And how are you advising others that are looking to advertise their shiny signal of what they do, making sure that they walk their talk internally and externally of what their culture might be? Yeah. I and mean, culture is such an interesting you know, word. What is culture? I mean, you define that. There's so many different and you get so many different answers on what does that mean within companies? I mean, what I do know, and I found this and you know, my, I'd say one of my first big experience with that company I told you about, you know, fortunately, the person, my mentor, who was the CEO, they really taught me a lot about culture and understanding the importance of it and how tangible it really is and how to take care of your team. And so there's a lot into that. I mean, you know, starting with the old discussion about mission statement and core values and what does that mean? But it's, it's really leaning into that. It's having everybody part of that and not just sticking on a wall, but is what are you doing throughout the year to integrate that into your nomenclature, into your discussions? You know, certainly we have our annual retreats and we revisit those. We actually have our teams rank how we're doing on each of our core values and our culture, you know, in our mission statement. And do we need to pivot it? Do we need to change it? So always looking at it, you know, we'll do even things every week when we're high-fiving each other, we actually do hashtags to which core value people are doing within that high five to continue to talk about how we're all into this. And everybody has the right to say that if we're going off of our mission or core values, they call it out. And it's almost like rewarded for calling it out. So that's how you take an idea and integrate it more and doing stuff like that. You know, and then I can get into all sorts of areas of culture, but it's about, you know, creating an environment that people really feel they want to work at so much especially the generation now, we'd all be ignorant to think that people aren't getting recruited on LinkedIn or other places often. And why is your employee going to stay at your company? And there, you know what's going to get, there's the money, certainly people say, well, I pay them well. Well, that, that's fine, but somebody else is going to pay them 5% better fairly soon. But why your employee will stay is, is they're getting so much more out of the company. It's not just about the money. And how do you build a culture to foster that? So a lot of it's just you know creating experiences. I mean, what people want now and understanding and really listening and having a mechanism for feedback. This is all goes into our culture. How do you get people to feel comfortable being heard, voicing their concerns, having a response to that, thanking them for voicing their concerns and taking action on their concerns? That's what people want to see. Like, wow, you actually listened to me. I can't believe you actually heard my idea. You know, right. I go for, I do, I do, I go for one-on-one -on -one walks with my people and rotate that. Like, just, I want to dig in. How you doing? How you, oh my God, the CEO took the time out of the day to talk to me. What a cool experience. I'm like, it, it doesn't seem like a little big thing, but it really is creating opportunities for, you you know, recognition constantly and, and how are people, you know, getting recognized opportunities for people to learn and grow opportunities for people back to our mission to make an impact. If somebody is just a worker be behind the desk, they make it bored of that fairly soon. How do you give them a chance to make an impact? How do you really listen to what it is they want to achieve in their career? And how do you show them their career path to getting those things and how they can achieve that with your company? Or if they can't achieve in your company, how do you help them find another company where they can achieve their career goals? And because you care about them. So, you know, yeah. I can go on and on, but I know 
we, we're limited on time. So I'm just giving well, you a little that, taste. That, yeah, that, I love that. And it is right in alignment is actually how I think and how I teach and how I work with my own clients and how I hoped that I was running my own companies when I ran them. My last book that I just finished, The Iggy Principles, talks about inviting good in versus edging good out. Or if you want to use the word mm -hmm. God or grace, inviting it in. So what you're doing, and I talk about it in the book as well, incorporating some of these things into your business practices when you're building culture, when you're building connectivity with people, the importance of forgiveness, the, the importance of gratitude, the importance of paying it forward, the importance of mentorship. So these Iggy principles that I talk about very much tie into what you're talking about in branding and culture. And it is the little things that you do with heart and soul that make the biggest impact. So we do let you're right, we could do a whole show on this. And maybe I'll have you back on doing a whole workshop on this particular topic, because it's so important. So I hate to gloss over it. But we had so many things to talk with you about. I do want to shift and have a little segment that we do. And then I want to wrap up with some spiritual discussion if we could. So we have sure. a segment that we do called you were talking about marketing earlier and in, in uh, social media and branding. Uh, but also Instagram is a way we can express ourselves and imaging for our own fun that we do in the world. So we do a segment called Instantly Interesting Instagram. And there's just three little top rules or topics we have. We basically go in and we take a quick dive on some of your photos on your Instagram feed. And then we also make sure that we don't really have any context around it. When we pull them up without context, we want you to share that with us. Then you're just going to tell us when I describe the photo, if people aren't seeing it, what's happening in that photo. We do it like a lightning round. So it's kind of a speed 15 to 30 seconds of each one at the most. And then we'll buzz through. And then we're going to wrap up with some more talk about heart and spirit. So uh, you game to play? Uh-oh, I'm ready. Okay, so welcome to Instantly oh. Interesting Instagram. So this looks like some kind of a experience that is, uh, oh man, this looks like, uh, I don't know what you're doing here, but it looks scary. <laughs> well, well I, am a, I, I love traveling. I'm a world traveler. And this is in actually New Zealand. And I was uh, doing, I think it's the second longest bungee at, it's called Nevis. And so I'm bungeeing into a, and I was scared S-less. You know, I was, I, I couldn't believe I had to get pushed over. It was just crazy. I might've uh, been taking something as well to help the uh, ease the stress just to get me through that. Uh, I was like, okay, he's not skydiving there. I think that might be bungee jumping, but I mean, yeah. that is like going into this cavernous thing. Oh, your heart probably was just like, stop. I remember when I jumped out of a plane once, it was like that same thing. Okay, here's another one that says winner's bar here. You've got a group of people with a bunch of uh, trophies and drinks in their hands. So it looks like you're celebrating something. That's right. Well, if you look above that, you can see the horses. And oh, that's right. As, I'm meant to talk about horses. Yeah, as a fun sort of side thing, you know, I'm in a horse racing syndicate and I've learned some you know, goods and bads in there and actually had to do well in this horse racing syndicate. And here our group is celebrating a huge uh, stakes win. And uh, we're in the winner's bar. They, they take you up into a little area. And uh, when you win a stakes race, they give you champagne and uh, all sorts of, you know, drinks and you get to celebrate. So well, for those of you can't see this picture, this looks like some happy people. And you've got the TV screens in the back with the horses running around and the big sign that says winner's bar. So that was a good day. I'm assuming you had a few days that didn't look as happy as that with some of your uh, horse betting, yeah, but maybe yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you tend to lose more than you win, but when you win the, uh, the good ones, some of the big ones. It makes, it makes, it, makes it all worth it, right? Okay. Yeah. Here is, it looks like you have a couple babies that you like now. So now you have your real baby and now you have these two other babies. These are little pooches that Eric has two different, I don't know if that's no, it's the, the same. same it's the same, oh, it's the same, same dog. Same, same, do okay. same dog, different angle and lighting. Yeah, that's Stanley. He's a, uh, he's a French then, half French, half Boston Terrier. So a French Bulldog Boston Terrier 
or mix. Yeah. And he's been my little red arm guy for a while. And so he hangs out. He likes when dad gets to work out a home more. So he's pretty happy. <laughs> I bet it looked almost like you had the younger version and the older version of the dog, but I see exactly yeah. that different lighting. Cool. Yeah. A man and woman's best friend. We're going to jump from uh, jumping off the photos and jump back into our last segment because we're running out of time here. But I want to ask you about, you've been kind of weaving in this since the very beginning of our talk about now being a father and a husband and doing stuff for your family and having purpose. And then your mission statement you have about making a positive impact in the world. So I want to ask you about in your own definition of what you might determine as spirituality or this spiritual essence, do you have a, a definition of spirituality? And now that you have a daughter and a family, are you incorporating your own sense of spirituality in a more impactful way than you might have, say, a year or two ago? Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of the spirituality for me, a lot of it's always been about, uh, you know, certainly believing uh, to some degree in a higher power. But to me, a lot of it's about believing in energy and how we're all connected. And really, you know, what comes around goes around. And how do you go out there to help give first and give to others and be there for others? And certainly in this world, it's all about this amazing new thing that's in this world now. And how do I be there for her and connect with her? Everything I do now has a different purpose and really being there for others, you know, being there for my wife who, who's doing, you know, God bless her, does the amazing work, a lot more work than I do by, by a mile and support her and, and how hard it is in the newfound respect for, for what mothers go through. And so I think just being able how we're all connected and, and, you know, you look at what's going on in this world even right now and just, you know, some of the negative and, and how do we, how do we, go out there to help others and stay positive. What can we do to help others and reach out? And what is our place in that? And, you know, certainly, you know, everybody chipping in to a small degree can help, you know, really make a good cause happen. Well, and you do that in so many ways and we are coming to an end here, but I know you do that through masterminds that you do. You do that through workshops. You do that through your employees internally and with your messaging, the way you're advising people to message their products or their services or their brands in the marketplace. I know you're focused on that. So I applaud you on taking your talents and your skills and redefining what they are and evolving and growing with those. And in the branditized world of marketing advertising, you've definitely dug much deeper than that of making a major impact in the world. So I want to thank you very much for being on the show and for taking your goodness and your talents out in the world of making it a better place. So thank you for being on the show. Do you have any closing thoughts or uh, words for the, the listeners? We're going to make sure that you've got uh, Eric's uh, Instagram and his Facebook and LinkedIn and everything. And his website will be in the show notes. You can easily connect with him and his company. He is a great, great guy. He really has a big heart, massive amounts of talent and very, very well connected uh, and really ca uh, can help people in a lot of different ways. So reach out to Eric. But Eric, any closing thoughts uh, for the audience? Uh, I just well, thank you so much for having me. I, I know we didn't cover this, but I'll just go by my favorite saying that I got from Brian Tracy and it's something I would live by, which is I am responsible. And I think it's something I would share with everybody as you're in your journey, whatever it is, as a, as a father, as an entrepreneur, as an employee, whatever you're out there, I think to the extent you really understand and say that to yourself and look at every situation and not point the finger, not look around and say, what could I have done through this experience? What could I have done better? And you also are responsible for the way you act under certain situations because you can't change the past. So I am responsible. I love it. I live by it. I share that with everybody. And then hopefully I'll help everybody along their own journeys. And I wish everybody the most success. Thank you very much. And thank you everyone for listening in on the Alchemy of Business show and listening in with Mr. Eric Berman of Branditize. We will be back again on the next week's show. And thank you for everyone being here today. Have a great day and make it an awesome rest of your week. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.